I sure do. Who the hell would give these three goons their own show? Welcome to Puck Puck Pass, a belly up sports podcast committed to keeping you informed on the latest news and trends in hockey. So pick up your teeth, grab a brew, and don't be a hoser. Here are your hosts, whose names sound like something I'd call my dog, Zach Mac, Yake, and KJ. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Puck Puck Pass podcast presented by Belly Up Sports. I am Kyle Gearholtz, also known as KJ, also known as Belly Up KJ, joined by Kyle Yake and Zach Mack. Let's just get this started with our little intros. We've got a lot of stuff going on Twitter. Uh, where can we find your guys' stuff at? Uh, you can get mine at uh, Belly Up Yake, Y-A-K-E, just real simple. Yep, mine's going to be same deal, Belly Up Zach Mack. Belly Up underscore KJ, because somehow... Uh, without the underscore they wouldn't let me do it Uh, we're really excited to get going on this we've been talking about uh, doing this podcast since we all kind of got together what two two three weeks ago yake and i got started at belly up kind of the same time and we got a bunch of little rivalries inside this little trio with teams we like teams we don't like which seems to be me against you two but that's something we'll cover later in later on right now if you're just looking if you're just looking at the top of the standings nashville uh Looks like they could be starting to pull away a little bit. Winnipeg, Toronto, Boston, uh, Colorado, Chicago, and Montreal. They're all up there. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on who who's legit in this in this group of seven? Uh, for me, I think the legit team is Colorado, and it's a surprise to say. I did not expect Colorado to be anywhere near the top, to tell you the truth. And McKinnon's just, you know, he's playing to the form that he did his rookie year. And uh, I think his little, uh, what, two, three-year slump there is officially over. Uh, they're kind of pushing – uh, Boston's top line with Landis Cog, McKinnon, and, and Ranton, and they've been great. They're they're definitely impressive, and I don't think it, I don't think it's a fluke. I mean, McKinnon ended the season definitely in the MVP discussion. He was up there as, as a finalist, uh, and I think he'll be able to lead this team. You know, Landis Cog's their captain and whatnot, but I think they're they're on ice leaders. Definitely McKinnon. Zach, where are you at with these teams? I can kind of echo on Colorado. Um, they've got. Two top goal scorers in the top top six. Um, I think them in Chicago and Boston are only two with two in the top ten. But uh, echoing pretty much what you said about that top line. To me, it's so impressive to me. Colorado's like quick turnaround within the last couple of years. Um, you know, making the playoffs last year, but like two years ago when they were just garbage. Yeah, I mean, bottom of the Western Conference. Uh, we both teams, uh, both bottom dwellers in the fifteen sixty or. 16-17 season uh, ended up making the playoffs in, in Jersey and in Colorado, so that was that was fun to watch. I think Colorado's great, and I do think they're gonna they're gonna stick up there. But Winnipeg, I was high on them at the end of last season, and I really think they're the best team in the West. As much as I love Chicago, Winnipeg, when they get their rhythm, which they're starting to, I think they're one of the hotter teams since that second week, and they're starting to find their groove. Connor Hellbuck is great. You know, he said records last year and i think to expect that pace again this season is unrealistic but as long as he can you know steal a few games here and there i think they'll surpass nashville and they'll they'll really be a power uh come the midway point and towards the end of the season the winnipeg's a hard place to play in as we begin with i mean they're 5-0 and 1 at home right now they are the only teams that can boston's 3-0 at home and then you got one other team in uh minnesota that's got two overtime losses at home but I mean, uh, who knows when Winnipeg's going to get their first loss at home? Yeah, I think I think Winnipeg has got like this identity of like toughness and and 
just a real great way of playing hockey. And I don't, I mean, I don't really know anything about the city of Winnipeg, but it seems to be something that their fans are getting behind. And um, like you said, I think it's making that place tough to play in. Yeah. I mean, the Sharks definitely had a lot to say about Winnipeg, which kind of got the city rallied around the team last year. Uh, everyone was kind of defending what they've got going on, even though it's dark and dreary. It's kind of the Seattle of Canada, if if you want to put it for that way for our American listeners. Uh, I, I think most Canadians are going to be upset about that when you got Vancouver all the way out there. <laughs> that's that's true, but, I mean, are they really worth talking about? I'm kidding. Vancouver <laughs> listeners, I'm kidding. They're doing great things as well. They're just, they're just not in this group yet. Um, and you talk about Winnipeg getting their first loss at home. It could be, as we record this uh, on Wednesday, it could be tonight. I mean, Toronto's another team that's in this top seven that started really hot their defensive issues are starting to show a little bit but consistency from Frederick Anderson was the key last season and it's going to be this season even with the offensive juggernauts they have on that top line top two lines really they're, they're going to need Frederick Anderson to keep it up and in a whiteout tonight in Winnipeg if he can bring his a game Toronto's going to be right up there with Winnipeg as far as goal scoring and these two teams Washington aside are going to lead the league in scoring, I think. Well, and you got Nylander that the talks have picked up with William Nylander this week about getting them back on the, on Toronto. And it looks like he's going to be there for another six years is what I'm hearing. Yeah. I saw you, I saw you put that out on Twitter earlier. I was, I looked for it for a brief second before we jumped on here. That's six years. I mean, that, that would be their first uh, commitment to, to one of these young kids. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they haven't paid Matthews or Marner yet. So that'll be, you start locking these guys up for a long time, and they're going to be dangerous for a while. They just got to work on that defense now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Sticking with this this group, uh, just for another second, I know you guys love to love to joke about Chicago, even though you really do love them. Uh, but Chicago and Montreal are my two teams where they're on totally opposite ends of the spectrum. I think Montreal is playing way better than they really are, and you've always got to worry about Carey Price staying healthy especially at the last – since his MVP season. It's just been injury after injury. I think Montreal falls off, and I think Chicago really sticks up with, with the, the best of that division. I don't think they're better than Nashville, Winnipeg, and Colorado, but I, I think excluding them from, from that group and being able to challenge, if not for the bottom spot for a wild card, I, I think getting Crawford a healthy Crawford back, Kane and Taves playing well, I think Chicago sticks and Montreal falls away. Yeah, I completely agree that Montreal probably goes away, but I just think Chicago's team's getting older. You got to worry about injuries there too, because I mean, you never know with, with an older crowd. I mean, it, look at the Flyers; all their older guys they, they continue to get hurt. So I think you got to look out with one, two injuries for Chicago, and and I think they're close to falling off themselves. I don't trust Chicago's depth enough to think that they will last without injuries. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, one injury last year we we saw, and, and once you get that one injury, I know it was Crawford, your starting goaltender. Any team loses their goaltender, they'll fall away. But uh, no, you're right. One or one or two, whether it's two weeks or two months, they will be in trouble. I can agree there. Moving on real quick. So a couple weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, Yake, you put out your uh, NHL, your way too early predictions for the NHL awards, and you said that Sergei Bobrovsky is going to win the Vesna out of Columbus. And right away, Zach, you took issue with this. But, Yake, what do you see in Bob that tells you that he has – he's probably the early season favorite for the Vesna? And, Zach, what, how are you going to – or who do you see kind of sneaking in there and maybe and maybe taking that from him? I mean, I, I just think 
Bob every year here, I'm, I'm going to pull up his stats real quick, but Bob every year is just, is Bob. He, he can't seem to be scored on whenever it comes to it. I mean, I think playoffs are a different story. And obviously I think Columbus fans will agree with me there, but he, uh, one of the best every year. And so you're from, you're from that area, right? Yeah, yeah I, I'm from that area. So, is he a hometown hero? Like he kind of seems like in the meet in the meet in the national media. D- does Columbus just rally around Bob? Uh, I mean, I was just what at the game last Thursday night, and every other jersey there is a Bob jersey, and it hurts even more being a Flyers fan. <laughs> all that, but, and what did, I saw a stat a couple of weeks ago. I think he's got like two losses against the Flyers since he's been traded to Columbus. But this year he's sitting with two wins, four losses. A little rough there, but three uh, three eight seven goals against average. 872 save percentage. So, I mean, like I said, it's way too early picks, but for the most part, I think the, the years that he's going, I mean, he given up, uh, what three goals. He had a real bad eight goal performance against Tampa Bay, but for the most part, he's keeping it under four goals all the way around. And I think you just got to look at him and, and yeah, I know you guys said this earlier, you got to worry about depth. It, does he have enough in front of him to be able to contend with, uh, these other goaltenders? And they just got not only their best defenseman, but one of the league's best young defensemen, Seth Jones, back. And I think that's really going to shore up the blue line in front of Bob. Uh, Zach, do you, I mean, did you have anyone in mind or is it just kind of coming out of Columbus? It was a little bit out of left field this early in the season. Is, you know, do you have a pick right now? Way too uh-huh. early? Uh, I was just trying to give, I think I was just giving Yake a little bit shit for uh, way too early. I mean, my the first thing that popped in my mind, like he mentioned, was, um, the depth in front of him. But Brossi is a great goalie, don't get me wrong. I've always thought he's like he was one of the best in the league. Um, I just think Rene and Hellebuck, they just got that depth in front of him that I think if I had to make a pick right now, I would probably say Hellebuck. He's got the team in front of him, I think, to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, you know how they, they hate voting for the uh the American goaltenders in the Vesna. So that will be that will be interesting. And Vasilevsky in Tampa, I think he's another guy that you just you've got to put up there when you're talking. This early in the season and how good that team is. Talk about depth. I mean, Tampa's got it all. Uh, I think Vasilevsky is another guy you keep in that conversation. That's definitely something we'll we'll have to keep revisiting kind of as the season goes on. Uh, and, and those stats, Yake, that you, you mentioned, that's just every year we do this where, oh, it's scoring up, it's scoring up. Teams just aren't playing defense right now. Everyone starts the year rusty on the blue line, and I think that's just what's happening to Bob right now. He's just He's not getting the support. Well, and yeah, and like you said, the best be their best defender being out right now. That's a, that's a huge hurt. And he kind of does this thing every year where once the spotlight's on him, he plays terribly, and then all of a sudden he goes away. And then next thing you know, you look at his stats and you're like, "Holy hell, where'd Bob come from?" Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, he 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 comes out of nowhere a lot, especially that mid that midpoint in the season. Uh, talking about talking about good goaltenders who who usually tend to stay out of the spotlight. I'd say Hol- I'd put Holpe in that category. And uh, if we're talking about Holpe, we're talking about the defending champions. He's, he's one of those guys that you almost have to check his pulse when he's in the crease. Like he plays such a relaxed style uh, uh, in, in that, that you, you almost wonder would he be better if he showed a little bit more energy and was a little more mobile or would that just totally throw his game off? But that all goes to my next question where are we at with the Capitals? Do they look like a team that's going to be able to repeat, or are these defensive issues just going to drag them down all season? I, keep, I kept them high in my rankings, my power rankings, because I think it is just a little too early to tell. And um, like you said, everyone starts out rusty. So I think if they just, I think it's some things that they can certainly figure out. And um, 
obviously if the capital start figuring stuff out, it gets a little dangerous. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. They're, I dropped them in my power rankings just because watching them as, as much as I've been able to, it is scary to watch how teams can just kind of get behind them and, and really put a lot of pressure on Holby and not to give him a pass because he needs to be better too. But when you, when you have to rest Holby, whether it's just one game on a back-to-back or anything like that, Phoenix Copley looks awful. I mean, for a backup, it looks like they are totally lost when he's in that. Well, and I think if you take a look at Washington right now in the Metropolitan, they've given up 30 goals against, which is tied for the worst except for the Flyers at 37. But, I mean, they're giving up a lot of goals, so it seems like Holtby is either going to be on his A game or it looks like right now he's just having a kind of a rough rough start to the season. Do you think their, their defense is, like, subconsciously lax because of how explosive their offense is? Or do you think I've it's like always, a coaching issue? No, I, I agree your first point with, with how great that offense is. And, you know, anytime you're giving up that many goals this early in the season, no offense is going to be able to counteract that. But I am on board with the fact that maybe that defense does take a step back. And their best defenseman's a totally offensive-minded defenseman. So they don't really have as many guys wanting to get back because Carlson's got the rocket, especially on the power play. You know, they're just, they don't move that well and guys get behind them so quickly. I do think a lot of it has to do with the offense. And I think as the offense stays consistent, whether it's three, four, four and a half goals, whatever they're going to average per game, the, the defense will start to get a little more sound uh, like every team and they'll look more like a contender than they do right now. Cause they just, they don't look good right now. You know, they have their, their celebration all year and we thought they'd be totally flat and they come out and they, you know, annihilate Boston seven, nothing. Things are really starting to look, they were scoring goals at such a crazy rate. They lost seven to six, two days later. So you just, you figure they're going to, they're going to score all these goals every game and not have to worry about a certain things. And, I think we forget when a team plays that well in the playoffs that there are holes in every team. And sometimes the right matchup or the wrong matchup, just it makes them look like one of the biggest pretenders in the league. And I think that's where Washington's at. Let's move on to Vegas because, Zach, you asked, are they in a little bit of a a Stanley Cup hangover or a Stanley Cup loss hangover? Uh, And I, I think it's more the Vegas flu has kind of worn off for some of these teams. I think when you go into Vegas last year, you're kind of awestruck by what they've got going on. And, and this year, I think teams are just kind of over it. They're just going in to play their game and exploiting some of what we figured Vegas would be last year, which is they're just not overly talented players. Yeah, I I mean, I preached all last year that, um, I mean, I was I was one of the Vegas haters. Um, I mean, I was really on board for Vegas when they came into the league and I wanted to be a fan and then they jumped out to this huge success early on and then they were withstood it and the whole time I was like this is a fluke this is a fluke I, I think I picked against them in every series um in the playoffs and I held I held true to it um even through the offseason people were like yeah we're, we're going back we're going back and now I, said, I, I think it was a fluke I think it was a fluke the whole time like you said they're just not they don't overwhelm you with talent and and as soon as the league has some some tape on you it's just that much more difficult to to beat the adjustments especially when you have a lack of talent and and I think it part of it last year was like you said it was awestruck. I mean they had the the team was pretty much a savior for the city when they went through the uh, the shooting and it was just like everyone was on this high for this team that was gonna save the city and it's all great and everything. But I just I didn't see it lasting and I think the whole thing was a fluke last year and um, I don't think they're necessarily hungover. 
I, I just think the uh, rest of the NHL honestly doesn't want to go out there for another hour and a half pregame show. I mean, I think everybody's kind of at least I'm done with it. But yeah, I mean, if yeah. if you look at their team right now, they got one person with ten points. The, the team's just they're not producing. You have you have five people that have more than one point. The rest of the team is all sitting at one point or no points. So I mean, the, the team right now, they, they're whether it's just not they're not playing well together or, or they're not clicking or what. But I mean, you got. Paul Stastny with zero points. How many games in the season? Well, I think he's still. I think he's still out. Has he not played at all? I don't think he's played at all. Uh, all right. So he's played three games. He's played three, three games. games. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that's where I paid zero. I, not to interrupt you, Yake. I paid zero attention to this team. There's nothing there for me. But go on. No, I just I don't find them as an exciting team this year. Last year was exciting because they were new and shiny and they they were off to a good start, but. I think they're going to be a team that's going to be easy to forget being out there on the West Coast. Yeah, especially right in the middle because, you know, the further west you go, the less interest there is. But then right when you get to the West Coast, those three California teams are always fun to watch. There are usually two of them in the playoffs every year. And I think Vegas will get lost kind of in that that crazy. I mean, the Pacific Division is not great, but I think it's definitely surpassed what Vegas brought to the table last year. And I, I have to admit that I was wrong last year because I thought Vegas would not have any kind of a home crowd at all. Because I thought, you know, if you're going to go see your team play one away game, where are you going to go? And I would have chose Vegas. But they, they ended up having a pretty good support crowd there in Vegas itself. But I just think nat- national-wise, I think that uh, they're losing fans by not being as good this year. And where does the, So Zach brought up the, the tragedy that happened before the season. How much of that... I mean, how many people were coming to uh, T-Mobile Arena in Vegas and they really didn't care about the Knights that much, but they were really behind Vegas, the Vegas strong, the same thing we saw in Boston years ago. I think there might have been a little bit of a tangent of fans who were just there to support Vegas as as a community, more so than maybe the hockey team. I completely agree with that. Vegas doesn't really have anything that they can stand behind as a city and support gung-ho you know i mean they're like they got casinos and whatnot and like everyone could be like yeah casinos but everyone's like yeah we know no, but if they got right. this this team that's building up this success out of nowhere and no one thought that they could do it i think it just it, i think you're right i think it brought a bunch of fans i think it littered the city with vegas knights apparel and all i'm sure all that helped yeah it was really the first time i ever saw vegas as a city and a community more than a destination and i think a lot of people that rang true for as well you just you never think of Vegas as a place where people live. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, kind of like the Vesna. This is just something we'll have to come back to. Who, I mean, how many times have they proven us wrong in the last 14 months? Uh, yeah, they, you know, yeah. and we're already yeah. discounting this team again. Gerard Gallant's great behind the boards, and I think they'll find a rhythm, but I just don't think they have enough to make the playoffs again this year. Any final thoughts on Vegas before we move on? No, nah, I mean, I just, I think they've lost the chip on their show. I think they all played with the chip that, you know, the teams didn't want to, use their their uh, keeps on them. And I just think uh, last year it gave them a little chip to play with, and I think this year they don't have it, and it's showing. Yeah, I think it sounds like a lot of us are on the same page on that. And yeah. But, I mean, again, like I said, it's exactly what Vegas wants. And I, Yeah, no, you're, you're right. That's what they're looking for. And they have – you guys mentioned the flair, and that kind of ties into the next thing I want to talk about, which is kind of – and it's 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 beaten in the ground. And it's, it's a topic that we all kind of hate talking about at this point, but – as we kind of establish um, the content we're going to bring with this podcast, which we're going to try to bring you guys the best, the most up-to-date, everything we can do as far as hockey, you're going to find it here. Um, and you're not going to find it at ESPN. And I think, Zach, you brought up a great point. 
whose burden is that to carry? Is it is it ours as fans? Is it the teams, the owners, all those uh, executives? Or is it just ESPN? They either want more money or they just they don't think there's hockey fans out there. Yeah, I, I don't uh, – clearly they don't want any part of it. I mean, they used to. You and I talked a little bit. I wonder, Yake, do you remember the uh, the old NHL on ESPN jingle? Oh, no, I don't know the jingle. Oh, it's great. yeah that was awesome and even i mean the game watching the uh the world cup of hockey on espn was cool because i i like steve levy barry melrose i can take him or leave him uh but steve levy is definitely one of those guys but you know he just generally love genuinely loves hockey uh but before we can even think about getting games because they had the games on espn plus but i'm not getting a subscription to to watch ESPN when they cover the same six things on TV every day. Right. Yep. Um, but if the coverage began, because what ESPN does is they they have these surveys and and these you know general consensus that ho- there's not hockey fans out there. But we've already moved on to whether you get TSN, NBC Sports Network, or NHL Network. We're already past ESPN. So when they're trying to find out where these fans are, they're not going to be in their market. And I think that's what's hurting the coverage is they just don't think there's anyone that they need to show it to. Well, no, I just I think they shot themselves in the foot when they they were providing Barry Melrose what once a week or something like that, and that was your hockey coverage for Sports Center. So all these kids growing up didn't have that that option that if you know if you really didn't know what hockey was about, you didn't watch it because ESPN didn't give that to you. So unless you were looking at your local team, which for me would have been the Blue Jackets, and they were terrible, you really did not have like a, a an outlet to be able to watch the NHL on, on TV because ESPN kind of missed it there. Um, and what was it? They, they started to get away from it during the lockout um, and they never really got back to it. Just assuming the fans weren't coming back. And uh, I think that it hurt their chances of being able to hold on to hockey fans for ESPN. Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. I, if you I'll can pin it back to the, uh, the lockout, I'm, I'm not too sure when it, when it started, but. Yeah. I bet you you could find you could trace it right back to that. If if yeah. if they thought the NHL didn't have money, they weren't going to spend money to show us the NHL. I I think they've got the wrong personalities uh, to bring us. I mean, Matthew Barnaby was like their hockey analyst. Like when Barry wasn't there, you went to Matthew Barnaby, and who really wants to hear that guy's opinion? I mean, I don't want to. Nobody who wants to get into hockey or see more hockey coverage wants to listen to a guy who just really went out there and fought. You know, I'm not going to listen to, you know, I was living in Detroit and worked for the radio station out there. Darren McCarty would come in all the time and he's a great guy and he can provide a certain sort of coverage and analysis for the local team. But his national standing is really nothing because people people didn't follow the goons and the, and the enforcers after they left their team's market. So yeah. I think there's ESPN's got a, a long way to go. Uh, where do you guys, I mean, on the subject, where are you guys getting, other than belly up sports, where are you guys getting a lot of your hockey coverage? Uh, yeah, you, know, you, you got TSN, you got Sportsnet, and unfortunately it looks like the, the main place to be going for hockey coverage right now are Canadian sites because they just seem to be a, a step ahead of the game unless you're going straight to NHL.com or NHL TV. That's a, 
I'm gonna have to ask you about that because I don't I use NHL.tv, but I haven't looked into any Canadian um, sites. Are they are they like Canadian sites showing every game, or is it like just the Canadian teams? Oh well, that's where I'm going for my that's where I'm going for my hockey news. Um, okay. You know, whenever okay. I'm watching a game, I do NHL.tv, or uh, I'm sure people use Game Center and everything if you have DirecTV. But uh, as far as NHL news goes, I, I go to the Canadian sites because they're always just that one step ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one, Yake. I'll you know I'll always start at NHL.com and I always end up uh, in some sort of on some sort of Canadian site just to get a little more of a because it's just so. There's the Canadian sites that really hate analytics and are just really giving you like a base uh, <laughs> appreciation for for what's going on in hockey at that time, and then you can really get into analytics better than anywhere else on you know like a sports night, a sports net type site. Well, oh, I just think they have so many people working for them. Like if you you follow one person on Twitter from TSN or Sportsnet, it seems like forty more come up with your suggestions. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. They've either got that TSN or even the Athletic. I mean, I haven't gotten a subscription to the Athletic yet, but I think anybody can benefit for the for the few free uh, pieces that I've I've gotten from the Athletic. I think anybody who really cares about hockey and you know, like like us writes about hockey, you can just benefit so much from seeing the way those guys do it. The Athletic has built such a standing, mainly in Canada, but it's really starting to pick up in the U.S. as well. That paid subscription part of it is tough, but they're just they're bringing something to the table that no other uh, like media pundit can really can really bring us. I don't know if you guys have looked into the athletic at all, but yeah, I was getting some I was getting some good information on uh, the Red Wings um, just for like some local stuff from I think I was following one of the writers on the athletic and that's where I first like came across it. And I agree. I mean, it's good stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I got into it. There's a a guy on a podcast for a, for a Flyers podcast I listened to that, that started writing for the Athletic, and then I figured out that that's what it is, and I think that's my uh, next subscription I'm making is the Athletic. Yeah, as soon as I get rid of Hulu, I think I'm going to the Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that, I mean that's good stuff, and I think we're all kind of on the same page. Is we're just I really don't care what ESPN decides to do with hockey because I can I know I can get it better somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I just I I think even if ESPN did add hockey. I would try to find the game elsewhere because I just I don't think they have people that work for them that know the game as well as all these other people do. Yeah, they've just they've just compl- I think they've lost their constituents far beyond repair. No, you're yeah, you're right. That, I mean, that's ba- that's basically the only way to put it. And I wonder, you know, we were talking before the show. We talked about the lockout, and you really got to look at Bedman. I mean, does he is is it him? Does he not care what any, uh, ESPN has to say? and do with NHL is he okay with the outlets that the NHL has because it, because it all boils down to what his interest is and whether it's the best thing for hockey he he'll say it will be but we can always look back i mean we're in 2018 the lockout's coming in 2020 i don't think anybody's doubting that we're at least missing half a season in 2020 i think uh i think batman's going to do what batman does and i think you know i think it was good for the game and i think he made the correct decisions to help grow the game at the time but I have to wonder, you know, how much is he going to help grow it at this point? Because he, he doesn't seem to be making any more changes to try to try to get the, the word out there. And, and I think that goes back to ESPN. And I think he could really care less if ESPN has it or not. And to tell you the truth, I could care less. Like, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to watch it on ESPN if I can choose not to. But I just think that uh, Bettman's kind of grown the game to where he's going to grow it. And I don't know if he has any further to anything further to make for the game. Yeah, I 100% agree. I don't. I just don't see Bettman as doing enough to promote the game um, as is right now. 
I don't think him being in that role is good for the game at this moment. Yeah, I mean, no matter what your feelings on Bettman are, there's always somebody who's going to tell you that he, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame as a builder. But, I mean, talk about making the getting into the Hall of Fame by default. We have no one else to base this on. You know, when you're the NHL's first commissioner, for all intents and purposes, you are the only face the NHL has really known. And there's been time where he's driven it into the ground. He's made some good rule changes. He's made some good changes to what they can do in the offseason. But I think in the long run, and whether it's 5, 10, 15 years, I'm praying for five. But when we get a new face in there, uh, I'll be really interested interested to see, you know, maybe our tune changes about Bedman a little bit. And we realize all the great things he did. Or it's just confirmed that he totally screwed the NHL for two, two, three decades. Yeah, and I don't think we'll find out that, that everyone thinks he was screwing the NHL. I don't think it'll come to that point. But I think what you're going to look at is I, I think he's going to be deserving of the Hall of Fame. But it's going to be one of those things that, you know, he grew the game and stopped. He hit his ceiling. And I, I think he has officially hit the ceiling. I don't think he has any anywhere higher to go. Yeah, no, I, yeah. And there's a level of content with what he's done in maybe his own mind. And I, I think you're right. I think he has a ceiling. And maybe he hit it with with pushing through the three-on-three overtime. Yeah, um, <laughs> I would say that would be but, the last one that I liked. Yeah. Um, but if you were, you know, Zach, you kind of brought this up before. If you were Batman for a day and there's one rule in hockey that you could get rid of, improve on, where are you going with that right now? So I originally wanted to put a prompt out there, like the two-line pass. Because um, I remember when that was negated, started to get a little more um aggressive approaches to the offensive side and i was just i was meddling with like should we bring it back should we not i kind of see that out i was like, better without it and i thought like what could we what could we take away i don't i'm, I'm not a, i don't like the the delay of game over the glass i get why it is trapezoid too i don't there's so many that i, I there, no, there's and there's a ton that you think of. um jen uh nhl history girl on twitter she put out a picture of some rules back from close to i think it was like 70 80 years ago and the delay a game rule was one of the original. If you deliberately put, deliberately put the puck over the uh, outside the the playing surface, that was that was a two minute minor back then as well. And I don't really have that big of an issue with that rule. The first thing I thought of when you posed this question was everything in three on three overtime. If we're gonna play it like street hockey, get rid of offsides, get rid of icing, get rid. I mean. These guys, because how many times have we seen guys go in the zone and come right back out? If you want to play aggressive on defense and put yourself in a bad position, you know what you're getting yourself into in three on three. I say just play it like it's really intended as kind of like a street hockey finish to a game and just get rid of the offsides and, and icing and all the little nuanced rules that we have in regulation time and just get rid of it in the overtime. What do you guys think about, I mean, is that too gimmicky for the NHL or is that something that could maybe add a little bit more to kind of the most fun part of the game? You start opening up the entire ice where it's just a free for all. I mean, you're going to have, you're going to have guys that are, that are, you know, six, six skating as hard as they can up and down the ice. And I mean, look at Lawton. Lawton got hurt the other night for the Flyers crashing in the boards. And it's the same way he got hurt the other night. And, you know, you dive after a puck or you try to do something to stop the play. Everything's just going so much faster. If you take away offsides and icing and all that, so I think yeah. I think you're you're kind of getting yourself into some danger, taking away some rules on on more uh, impact injuries that are going to happen because you got your best players out there on three on three. So yeah, I mean you're not looking at somebody getting hurt that's a fourth line you know lifer. You're looking at somebody getting hurt that, that is making an impact for your team. See, I think three on three is already too arcade as it is. Like that's not hockey to me, but it 
um, I can get behind taking rules out. To me, it would have to be like a, I would want like a 10 minute three on three, but you can't like you pick three guys and it's those three guys like for 10 minutes. That's not bad. The other thing, you know, maybe you skip taking away the offside and icing. What about it's not like that golden goal setup? What if we just played, like Zach, you said 10 minutes? We just played 10 minutes. It could be four to five in overtime. It could be like it doesn't end on that first goal. I absolutely love the shootout, so I don't want a longer overtime. Oh, my God. Oh, we got to we gotta hit that. Oh, in I, future love, I love the yeah. shootout. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I don't want to see see a longer one, and, and I agree that it get, the three-on-three is a little arc a little arcade for the for the game um but i just think i think it, you're looking at more exciting goals you're looking at more exciting situations i mean i hate to say his name but crosby last night in edmonton where he just <laughs> completely put the puck on a string and dangled around the entire city i mean you, the, that's the kind of stuff that you'll be missing out there you have somebody out there for 10 minutes i mean you're gonna have guys for for eight and a half minutes just standing around praying to god the puck doesn't come to them because their legs are dead Real quick, real quick. You mentioned it. I wasn't going to bring it up because I have uh, I have the utmost respect for you guys. But when you hear people say, look who we did it to, meaning Ryan Strom uh, last night with Sydney, Sydney Crosby's goal. Is there a player in the NHL that he could have done that to that would have made it more impressive? I, I think no matter where he does that on the ice and no matter who he does it to, you look at that as a goal of the year candidate. I think I think bringing up that Ryan Strom is just trying to defend McDavid or trying to defend Gretzky or whoever your guy is. You're just looking for a reason to bring down something Sidney Crosby did. Well, in that case, and yeah, I think it was Ryan Strom's fault. He wouldn't have done it to anybody else. <laughs> All right, well, we see where we stand with 87. <laughs> it was, no, I, it was I, fun to watch. Yeah, I think it's impressive no matter who it's against. And and, and I think that, you know, it, it could be Little Sisters of the Poor out there. He still did some amazing things with the puck that you don't see every night. I mean, Zach, that probably brought up memories for, for you, and I grew up kind of in the Detroit area for a while as well, and, and what Datsuk did to, to Couture in the corner against the Sharks one time. I mean, he didn't end up scoring on it. I think he did make a pretty assist later in that play, but he dangled right around Couture and, and put his butt on the ice. I mean, you see stuff like that, and it brings up the the Datsukian-type deeks that it just reminds you of you know why we kind of brought the three on three for the for that type of goal, the Patrick Kane, Crosby, Datsuk, those type of guys. Oh yeah, I mean I grew up just absolutely loving Datsuk, so it's just it's just a shame that it had to be had to be eighty seven <laughs> that, that brought those memories back. Actually, can we can we make that a podcast rule that we just call him eighty seven so that way I never have to say his name again? I agree. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, we can call him eighty seven because the eighty seven will be hanging up right next to the ninety nine in all oh. the arenas. Oh, um, so it, I'd actually prefer it be hung over the ninety nine. But that's a huge piece that I want us all to work on together. With me talking about Crosby being the goat. Yeah, actually, um, you know, I'm not even going to say eighty seven anymore. I'm just not going to refer to him. <laughs> I'll mute my mic when you guys want to talk about him and come back to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I don't want to, uh, we've covered a lot and I think we're kind of rifling through things to kind of put a, a bookmark into uh, kind of the state of the NHL, kind of get on the same page or see where we had disagreements and kind of work on things to, uh, you know, kind of boost the content that we're going to, that we're going to bring in here. Uh, is there anything that you guys uh, were thinking about, you know, prior to the pro podcast or the, 
anything that's going on in the NHL that you want to touch on before we kind of wrap things up here? Well, I think Zach's got a pretty good point to, to wrap up there with is uh, what's going to happen with the advancements to Zambonis. I mean, come on, it's 2018. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, we've got cars that drive themselves and we've got 87 year old men driving Zambonis. Zach, where, <laughs> what, what's your feeling on Zamboni uh, technology? We'll call it ZT. <laughs> yeah. ZT. Um, I just think it's a 10 minute little, it happens between every period. It's, it's a 10 minute, you know, Zamboni jobs around the eyes. I just feel, I feel like it's 2018. We should be making a show out of that a little bit more than we do. I mean, I know we're giving kids rides, but. Hey, this year there is a show out of, it's called Gritty. Oh my God. Well, there go our numbers for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, people actually, it it cracks me up not to, not to go too uh, far off topic, but the, the attachment to Gritty is just, I, and very much against Philly sports, but the gritty stuff just cracks me up. I, think hey, I, awesome. I can tell you right now how it, how gritty kind of worked out. At first, when when they unveiled him, everybody in Philadelphia and everybody that's a Flyers fan literally thought, what in the hell did we just do? And then everyone else started making fun of him, and we got upset. Like, that. that's our kid brother. You don't make fun of him. <laughs> I'll die for gritty at this point. Yeah. You, you, you don't attack gritty. We can talk about him. You can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that... That, that's kind of, I think, how Philadelphia adopted him there real quick. And it didn't take long to, to be in probably one of my favorite things. With the way the Flyers are playing this year, it's probably my favorite story of the year. And, and it might end up my favorite story of the year at this point. <laughs> real quick, well, well, let's end it on this because this is a real quick point. And if we focus too much on it, people will think this is a Capitals podcast. Uh, Gretzky's goal record. Ovi is definitely going to get close to it. Does he have enough in the tank to play? I mean, he's going to score 50 again this year. I mean, he's, I mean, he's has shown no signs of slowing down. Is, is that, was it a, I don't even, I wrote it down somewhere. I don't have it off the top of my head, but is he getting to Gretzky's record? I, I mean, it's, it's such a hard record to obtain. And, and I personally, I think that the summer of Ovi is going to turn into the season of Ovi and he's going to have a, a, I think a career year for him, but I just, I, I don't know how much he has left in the tank. And I think the only person that knows that is Ovi. And he'll keep mixing sauces before pregames, and we'll see what happens. But I, I'm just not sure if he can keep on going. Do you yeah, think, Zach, Zach, do you think if, if Ovi puts it all out there this year and scores 50-55, God forbid, I think it would be awesome to have a 60-goal scorer in 2018. But do you think if he puts too much into this year that he kind of takes himself out of getting that record because he he kind of overdid it with with trying to get closer this season? It's a good question because, like Jake mentioned, the big the biggest thing is is what is in the tank, and um, only Ovi knows that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I I will put seeing him score 60 goals over him taking the record. I mean, the record 894. Cool, but... That that was the number. Okay. Sorry. Okay, so 894. I, I don't know what he's at. He's got to average like. Early. He's got to average doable numbers as as long as he can keep up his pace, really. So, so I think the one thing that this that he has going for him, this is the last thing I'm gonna say, Ovechkin, is I think that the one thing he has going is he is going to try to get another cup, and however many years that takes for Ovi, I think he's gonna keep trying until he falls apart because he's he he gets you know drafted in there with 87 all the time, and 87's got more than one cup, and I think Ovi's not gonna stop or until he falls over or he gets another one. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think having I think he definitely wants another cup. I think you're right. He's at six fifteen right now, so he basically needs six thirty goal seasons, which he has eight through eight so far this year. Uh, I think having at least one and going down as the greatest goal scorer of all time might be enough 
for him to sleep at night. But I also see a lot of Yager in Ovi. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he's just gigantic like Yager. <laughs> yeah. I will, I mean, we'll keep in touch with that. Hopefully we can do a uh, Ovechkin hits 895 podcast uh, a few years down the road. Maybe it's for the athletic. Who knows? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, this was a great, great time. Thank you so much. Oh, what's up? I want to. I just want to put us all on the spot real quick because we haven't talked about it yet. But let's let's all just pick a, a way too early Stanley Cup champion because it's episode one. Toronto. Uh, you know what? If he's taking Toronto, then then I'm gonna go ahead and say Winnipeg then. And I picked Toronto in my way too early predictions. But just for to for us to have a little something to talk about at the end of the year, I'm gonna go ahead and choose Winnipeg. I'm gonna go Nashville because I think they've got the second best shot. Uh, I think you're right. If they, I still think I thought it last year, and I'll think it again this year. Whoever comes out. We'll touch on the playoff seating as we get closer to the playoffs because I think it's the dumbest thing that Bettman might have ever done. I know it's not solely his decision, but he likes the current format. I think it's blasphemous that Nashville and Winnipeg play before the Western Conference Finals, but the winner of that series is going on to the Cup no matter when they play. And to say that one of them is the Cup winner, I don't think is a stretch at all. I think both of you guys have a legitimate chance um, to be correct in that pick. So we're fighting Let's, for bragging rights. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Down the yeah. road. I mean, I, everybody picked a West Coast team too. Oh no, Toronto's East. No. I mean, other than that, I mean, my real, my heart is is also in the West Coast, but it's just a Western Conference team in Chicago. But hey, you know, we had our three cups, you know, from 10 to 15. You know, we had to beat the Flyers. We had to embarrass still, the Red Wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so. Is this done yet? <laughs> <laughs> this is done. Listeners, I hope you had as much fun as we did. I had a great time with this. Uh, we'll definitely continue bringing you guys week to week Puck Puck Pass podcast. I'm going to figure out a way to make that not rhyme. This episode of Puck Puck Pass was brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Follow your host on Twitter, Belly Up Yake, Belly Up underscore KJ, and Belly Up Zach Mack.